travel, it's one of life's greatest pleasures. When we journey abroad, we discover new places and meet fascinating people, but we also gain perspective and take on a wider view of the world around us. That was Trevor Ranges, and I'm Scott Coates. After more than 25 years living and working in Asia, we've developed an amazing network of interesting characters throughout the region. Talk Travel Asia is our way of sharing them with you. Plug in and get connected to hot tips, interesting perspectives, and expert travel advice as we cultivate travel insight through intelligent conversation. Welcome to Talk Travel Asia, episode 75, Vegetarian Vietnamese with Cameron Stock. After Thai, Japanese, and Chinese food, Vietnamese may be the best-known Asian food to people around the world. Staples such as pho, fresh spring rolls, and banh mi sandwiches are particularly well-known, but Vietnamese food is notable for its incredible diversity. We previously touched on the subject when we had celebrity guest chef Bobby Chin on episode 55, Vietnamese Cuisine with Bobby Chin, but today we're going to dive back into the cuisine of Vietnam with another expert, cookbook author Cameron Stock. This is Scott Coates in Bangkok, Thailand, and with me as always is... Well, I'm not with you quite today. I'm in Phnom Penh, Cambodia, so uh, we did the last few sitting next to each other. And we did. Uh, now we're going. We're going back to doing them apart. And I think it's Cameron yeah, Stouk. Yeah, we needed some we, space. We need to ask him when we get him on. But it's Stouk, I believe. Yeah. Stouk. Yeah, I keep saying it wrong. Yeah. yeah. Well, either way, you're going to need to know how to spell it, so you can Google his book when we uh, when we get into it. Uh, let's talk about Vietnamese food, Scott. So uh, okay. I had pho for dinner tonight here in Cambodia. So it's kind of true that. You know, Vietnamese food is available all over the world, and it's popular because, you know, people like me, I see a pho restaurant, I'm like, that's what I'm having for dinner. Um, yeah, it's good stuff, right? It's incredible, you know, and it is that dish, that Vietnamese dish that it seems adults, kids, almost any nationality like the taste of it. And I feel a little silly saying it because pho is so well-known globally now, but I was knocked over about 25 years ago, living in Calgary, Canada. Friend took me to a place called Pho Pasteur Saigon for a bowl with from fried spring rolls and iced coffee. And wow, I mean, I was hooked and it became a regular stop for me when eating out. And I never would have guessed way back then that I would have ended up later in life going to Vietnam so many times and eating actually at the original Pho Pasteur restaurant in Ho Chi Minh City but amazing and the strange thing is that restaurant in Calgary is still my favorite pho in the world and when I go back to Calgary I always go there but that was my first exposure and it really is a dish that everyone seems to be able to eat and enjoy. Yeah and for those who have no idea pho is like a Vietnamese noodle soup that comes with some uh, fresh herbs and sprouts and stuff like that that you can add yourself. Um, now beyond pho uh, one of the greatest things that I got out of my MBA program that I did with the University of Hawaii in Ho Chi Minh City was just learning about the diversity of Vietnamese food. Mm. Um, you know, I found my favorite banh mi place and my favorite pho restaurant, but when I would have lunch with my classmates, it seemed that every day we went out to a different restaurant, they had an entirely different range of offerings. Um, the menus are just enormous. It's It's kind of like Thai food in that regard that just it's a 25 page menu full of things and then there's like a different restaurant for your different favorite thing and you're always discovering new kinds of food i have been to vietnam probably like seven or eight times and somehow i've never really 
gotten to be an expert on the food. Like I can't name that many dishes. I've liked pretty much everything I've had. And I feel that that's a real failing. I don't know why that has happened for me, but I remember thinking back to being a backpacker in 95, I did a North to South trip and we went for this seafood feast that somehow they roped in a bunch of us backpackers. It was my friend from Vancouver and there was fish and prawns and stingray, which was really edgy for me at the time. And then all of a sudden they brought out this tiny shark. And I remember we all kind of looked at each other and we were really wondering like, man, how I didn't know there were sharks that they're this small. And so we started eating it and we were about halfway through and we kind of looked at the cook and he, and he said to us in broken English, like, oh, this baby shark from mummy's tummy. And we're like, oh, we're eating shark's fetus. This oh, is an unborn shark. You're eating it too? Yeah, that's... A, yeah, we had eaten a lot of it. So yeah, that was I mean, my I guess other early Vietnamese eat the experience. Whole fish, it's better than just eating the fin, which, which I don't think the Vietnamese do. Um, but yeah, seafood no. is particularly present in Vietnamese food. Uh, the country has a, a massively long uh, sea coast. and Longer uh, than California's. Really, yeah. I was up in mm. Nha Trang one time, and we just got like a bucket of crabs. You get like 20 crabs mm. for like $10 or something like that. Um, and then another one of my favorite things, I know we're talking about Vietnamese uh, vegetarian food today, but the Vietnamese are great at making bacon-wrapped shrimp. Um, that's possibly oh. the best thing you could eat with beer. Um, my other thing I remember about Vietnamese food is just how inexpensive it is. Um, I used to go to a place uh, for steak and eggs, again, with the non-vegetarian cuisine, but you used to get steak and eggs on a, a cast iron hot plate with a large beer, and it was like $5 for the whole meal. Let's get meat out of our mind and bring in our guest. Our guest is Cameron Stouk, a Canadian chef who has spent the last two decades living and working in Canada and Asia. Previously, he served as a member of the cooking staff for the Governor General of Canada, preparing truly world-class food. A diplomat's wife, Cameron has spent the last number of years living, cooking, and eating throughout Asia. His latest project is cookbook Vegetarian Vietnam, which comes out March 2018. He joins us from Bangkok to chat. Hey, welcome to the show, Cameron. It's great to be here, Scott and Trevor. Yeah, well, thanks. We, you and I are in the same city in Bangkok, connected by the internets. And Trevor, where are you? I'm in Cambodia. And uh, hey, I just now know that I got an advanced copy of the book, so I feel particularly special. Thanks a lot for that, Cameron. Oh, super. Yeah, I was having a look through it uh, over the weekend. We have a PDF copy, but it's absolutely gorgeous. I will not profess to have read all the book yet, but I did direct my attention to the pages you told us about and some others. We always like to start these interviews kind of just learning a bit about somebody. So what is your background in the food and beverage industry and how did you end up living and uh, cooking and so forth in Asia and specifically, I guess, Vietnam? Sure. Well, I uh, went to McGill University and I thought I would be a businessman that uh, would save the world and kind of do come some some type of eco company or social co corporate responsibility and i kind of got sidetracked by that because i fell in love with cooking and i went to um, worked in a couple bistros in montreal and then i went to chef school in stratford um, all this time i'd been with my girlfriend now wife aisha okay and then and then she uh, moved to ottawa to with a government job uh, she became a, a canadian diplomat and I worked there for a year, and then her work took us over to Asia in the year 2000. We, let's see, we moved to Hong Kong for two years, and then we've done kind of a back and forth 
between Canada, we lived in Delhi for four years, Canada for another three years, um, and then we ended up in Vietnam with her work, and now likewise we're in Thailand with her work uh, again. Wow, that is quite an Asian experience, and you've listed uh, India, which we haven't really talked about on this show. Well, I got to say, I love the first paragraph in the book, which really resonates with me. I have this mental image of when I first went to Hanoi in 95, and I looked out of the window in the stairwell from our guest house, and you wrote in your book, in late 2002, on a visit to Saigon, I woke up early, threw on some clothes, and headed to the street food stalls on the outskirts of the city's markets. Hunger and a desire to investigate the stalls well-loved breakfast specialties propelled me. I read that, man, and it really did take me back to 95. Amazing. Mm, and uh, it, there is just something about walking outside of your hotel, whether it be Vietnam or somewhere else, and just seeing the food on the street. And I think I got captured uh, in that moment with Vietnamese food. Cool. Yeah, you never go hungry here in Asia. Um, and, and some of the food that you do see, I mean, if you go to some of the wet markets, people who haven't traveled much in Asia maybe are unfamiliar with the, with the markets here. But there's lots of fruits and vegetables. So I think you came to the right place as a vegetarian. Were you a vegetarian before you came to Asia? Or did that sort of happen while you were here? Um, tell us a little bit about that. Well, interestingly, I'm not a vegetarian. Um, oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. Um, I eat, our family eats probably in a vegetarian manner, maybe 85% of the time. Um, it's a combination of health. It's a combination of cost. Um, protein in Asia, particularly good quality meats, I find to be more expensive. Um, and we have an eight-year-old son who, when he was about four and a half, decided he was vegetarian. Oh, so wow. it's, also, it's also to make life easy for myself in the kitchen. Um, you know, so that, that's how we eat. Um, and then as far as the book, I had a few friends who were vegetarian in Vietnam. They'd been living in Hanoi and told me how challenging it was to find vegetarian food. But I'd had a friend who told me that in the South and the center, vegetarian food was quite prevalent. Um, so I started to do some research into it and, and saw that it's, it's kind of, it's out there in front of you, but you need to know what to look for. Hmm. What makes Vietnamese food so special, Cameron? I really like that, first, the use of herbs. Um, I'm in love with the types of herbs that they use, uh, whether different types of coriander, cilantro, um, different types of basil, dill. So I find that that kind of adds a fresh layer. And then you get a different, um, different layering of flavors with Vietnamese food that I find you don't have so much in other cuisines. All right. And uh, again, you know, there's lots of vegetables and herbs. And so kind of for being an 85% vegetarian, Vietnamese food seems pretty appropriate to me. Um, now, we understand why you, you got into cooking, but it appears that you'd never written a book before this one. So what inspired you to, to decide to, to publish? Yeah. So with our lifestyle, um, it's always been challenging to find a job in a fixed place um, when you've got a family and one person is working long hours and, and we're there for their work. Um, I needed to find something that um, I could dig myself into, but that could be flexible. And so 
I had thought about writing a book when I was in uh, India, but then this time when I came to Vietnam and this vegetarian idea, um, as I did a few research trips, came to fruition, I thought there's enough here for a book. And interestingly, there's one small book in English on Vietnamese vegetarian food, but that's it. Um, and with the increase in travelers coming to Vietnam that are looking for vegetarian food and the interest in North America and England, um, I thought that there'd be something there that people would be interested in having in their kitchens and for me to share with them. Very cool. Well, then obviously this is kind of aimed at Westerners. So what ingredients do you find are the easiest and the most difficult to find in Western supermarkets? Well, you know, a, a lot of the supermarkets right now um, in the West are starting their quote-unquote international aisles are actually expanding quite a bit. Mm -hmm. um, so you'll find regular things as far as for the vegetarian kitchen, you'll, you'll find tofu. Um, you're going to find a few other, I don't really want to call them mock meats. Um, they're kind of meat alternatives that are coming up. You'll find them in the frozen food section. Um, and then you'll also be able to find, you know, soy sauces or tamari, gluten-free so soy sauces, um, fermented tofu um, or tofu bean curd um, that you can find in those grocery stores. And then some of them you'll have to go to uh, a Vietnamese or Asian grocer to find a few um, specialty items. Okay. Um, so you got to commit a little bit to this and be willing to visit a few different shops to make it happen. Yeah, but I figure if you've committed to go to Vietnam or to even go to a Vietnamese restaurant, um, you've got that interest and you've, okay. got, that you've got that curiosity. You know, I heard um, you mention that you were talking about, uh, like, not necessarily just the tofu, but talking about meat substitutes. Does that mean that someone could use your vegetarian cookbook and just substitute chicken for the fake chicken? Yeah, I've got a couple recipes that you can do that. Um, and same, there's a, there's a like a meatless ground meat or ground beef, if you think of that, or ground pork products that um, there's a couple recipes that I've included because these type of meat alternatives are, are increasingly being more popular. Um, now, they don't necessarily have those in Vietnam. In Vietnam, you're going to find more uh, mock meat or, or wheat gluten or seitan. Um, and I, uh, one of your previous uh, interviews on eating vegetarian in Vietnam talked about that. Um, so if you have a gluten sensitivity, if, you have, if you're a celiac, those are things that you're going to want to avoid uh, when you're in Vietnam. And that typically tends to be in restaurants more in the north. Yeah, that's an interesting thing. Like, what's one of the big differences between northern cuisine and southern cuisine? And did you have, like, a preference toward one or the other in, in your book? Yeah, so the, the interesting thing is, is because of the history of Vietnam, um, there's a reason why there, originally there's more vegetarian restaurants in the south and the center, and that had to do with where the capital was in Hue, um, and they would practice Buddhism. And then once communism came into Vietnam and the center was in the, or the capital was in the north, um, they didn't really allow much practice of any religion. 
but the underlying um, Buddhism that was practiced in the South and Center was still alive. And so I was surprised that when I traveled to the South and Center, that there were so many um, vegetarian restaurants compared to the North. But nowadays, um, watching online and when I went back to Hanoi last year, there's an explosion in, in the capital right now of Vietnamese vegetarian restaurants. Um, so I think that has a lot to do with the youth being interested in um, a healthier diet or ecology or perhaps moral reasons. And then I think the restaurant people see that all these vegetarian restaurants are busy, so they want in on the cash. Hmm. Interesting. When I was going through the book over the weekend, I mean, I saw some sections about uh, Mahayana Buddhists, and I'm wondering how did Mahayana, the, the Buddhist religion, and, and Buddhists themselves influence your knowledge of Vietnamese cuisine and ultimately your book? Because I was kind of surprised to see that mentioned. Hmm. So that's the reason why there's a lot more vegetarianism in Vietnam, say, compared to um, Thailand, where Theravada Buddhism is practiced. And in general, Mahayana Buddhists uh, don't eat meat. Um, they may refrain from dairy and maybe eggs. Whereas hmm. Theravada Buddhists, particularly monks and nuns, um, you know, they're given offerings for food every morning, and they take what they're given. Um, and so they see things in a different light as far as their beliefs and what they eat. Um, okay. And so when I was in Vietnam, I spent some days with, uh, kind of cooking and living with some monks and nuns throughout the country. And I was able to see how they ate, uh, what they ate, um, how they lived, and how that affected their lifestyle. Um, and I was able to incorporate that into recipes or just providing information for travelers in the book. Hmm. Yeah, that's really interesting. So you clearly have a pretty wide range of information going around the country, but also like some depth of knowledge there as well. Um, for, for people who are just trying out uh, cooking Vietnamese food, and you've got quite a lot of recipes in your book there, what are some of the easiest win dishes? Like where should people start if they want to... Uh, try their first hand at making some Vietnamese food. Yeah, and I think that these wind dishes that I'm going to mention are also ones that people who are traveling to Vietnam who are vegetarians, and even non-vegetarians, they kind of tend to fall in love with really quickly. So I think a simple one to start off with is tofu with tomato sauce. Um, you know, I kind of look at it as the Vietnamese... Um, you know, pasta and tomato sauce. It's, it's so simple, but there's something addictive about it. Um, same with fresh morning glory with garlic or um, with a, a vegetarian oyster sauce. Um, there's something about those that you kind of, almost all the vegetarians I talk to, they, they fall in love with those and they're so easy to do. Um, and then I would say the next one is a lot of people are really uh, into banh mi sandwiches and you can easily make that banh mi sandwich, say with some marinated tofu or a fried egg. You have the pickle and daikon carrots, the fresh herbs, maybe a tomato, a chili, and some cucumber, and you're off to the races. Um, so I would, I would start off with those, and then you can move into the, the noodle soups, uh, like the pho or the bun bo huay, um, that take a little bit more time, but I think that are simple enough 
that people can execute themselves and be satisfied with what they turn out. Hmm. I know the book uh, we're recording in the end of January 2018. The book comes out in March. What has been the reception so far, though, of a white guy writing a book about Vietnamese food? Well, there hasn't been um, much. I would say there hasn't been much talking about that yet, um, because I think that might come later with the book. Um, For me, it was something that uh, I saw that there was this cuisine there, uh, met a lot of the cooks um, who were interested in sharing their information and knowledge with me. Hmm. Um, And I wanted to do it in a respectful way that uh, honored them and honored the, the culture as much as I could. And um, in part of the things that I did in doing that was trying to learn the language, um, reading, writing, speaking, um, and then also just um, being as, I guess, respectful as I could um, to the cooks and to the culture. Wow, that's a a good, uh, you got a good reason for doing this and I think uh, it'd be hard to, to fault you as far as I can tell. Um, hey, maybe we'll put you on the spot then. What's your, your favorite Vietnamese food to, to eat, no matter how easy or hard, whether you cook it yourself or, or from your favorite restaurant? What's your go-to Vietnamese dish? You know, I think a family favorite that we have is a bang seo, which is a, a crispy rice mung bean crepe. And um, it's mainly in the south. Uh, there are some versions in the center as well. Uh, they're a bit smaller there. But if you can imagine uh, a crepe, um, and it's crispy, it's it's fr- made like a crepe, it's fried. Um, it's crispy from the rice and the mung beans, a little bit yellow from turmeric. And then you put in some mushrooms, some bean sprouts. Um, you might put in some scallions. And you fold that over, and then you can... Um, I like the inventiveness of the Vietnamese kitchen where instead of using a knife, they'll cut it into wedges with scissors because it's a lot easier to do so. And you take that, put it in a, a palm-sized lettuce leaf, put in some herbs, basil, cilantro, maybe some mint, wrap it up, and then put it in an everyday dipping sauce, which just has that sour, um, sweet, spicy, and you just bite into it. And... Um, I like it just because of the different textures, the flavor. I love eating with my hands. Um, and it's just easy. It's a great family favorite that, that the entire family enjoys. So I yes, would go please. for that. Yeah. I'll have two. Yeah. And then, you know what? There's also um, an exciting thing happening with the youth in Vietnam and their inventiveness with street food dishes. Hmm. Um, so there's, there's a place in... Um, in Hano- or Saigon that uh, they have these, uh, they take rice paper, toast it over coals, and then they, they'll put a scrambled egg. And typically they do uh, like a pork pate, but I use a mushroom pate to make it vegetarian. And they, it's kind of like a crispy pizza. And then they mm. do a drizzle of sriracha over that and they just fold it. And then you just eat it as you walk. Um, and it's just these things that didn't exist. I, ta- I spoke to people and they said 10 years ago, that type of thing didn't exist. Um, so there's an inventiveness that's still kind of starting to happen, which are exciting, um, whether you're vegetarian or not. 
Very cool. Well, you know, I've been fortunate enough to know a few authors, but how do you get a book deal? Like you've never written a book before. You're not native to this region. How do you actually go about getting the book deal? It's a lot of work. Um, so I ended up writing a proposal for the book and uh, went to a couple food-related conferences. And through that, I was able to meet some book agents. Um, I introduced myself, gave them my proposal. Um, we did a mini interview. And luckily, I had interest from uh, several of them. So I was able to choose the person that I thought was best to guide me in this process. Um, and then they then shop it around to different publishing houses. And um, again, I had interest from a couple um, pretty reputable publishing houses. And again, I was able to get to choose who I worked with. Um, and it's a, to write a book is a lot more work than, than I expected or knew. Um, it was a fulfilling process, and I'm ready to do it again. Um, but it's been about a four-year journey from kind of idea to getting it wow. into the people's hands. Hmm. Well, now that you're based in Bangkok, do you think you're ready to take on a Thai cookbook? I am. I am. And I've, and I've slowly started to work on it. Um, so I'm going to be doing a book tour in March, uh, mainly through the United States. Um, so I'm, I've, I've got it on my radar. I've done a few trips to Chiang Mai, and I'm looking to do some more outside of there, uh, kind of near Laos, the border with Laos. And then looking at the... Um, the Buddhist festival in September, October that they have here in Bangkok and in Phuket. So, uh, yeah, no, I'm excited about it. Now I know the process. Um, I've got the learning curve, so, uh, I'm ready to, to tackle it. So Cameron, the book is coming out soon. How can people learn more and get their own copy? Sure. Well, right now it's being sold online. Um, so on major, online retailers, whether it be Amazon in different countries. Here in Asia, uh, Asia Books is carrying it right now online. Um, so right now it's all online. And then it'll be in the bookstores on March 13th uh, in North America and mm -hmm. then April 13th in uh, England. And so I'm assuming somewhere in between that time it'll hit the stores here in Asia. Um, and I'm looking to actually go back to Hanoi and share this with my friends um, there uh, sometime late April, and also with the people who um, shared their time with me and shared their stories with me to, to give them a copy or two for their own personal use. Very cool. Well, I don't know, that was maybe kind of a silly question because I think if people go to our show notes, we'll probably have a link uh, to where people can buy the book. Um, otherwise, they could probably come over to Scott's or my place and we'll try our hand at uh, cooking <laughs> something. I think the true test of how good your book is, is how well we can use it to, to feed ourselves. Well, maybe I'll just go down the street to Scott's house sometime next week and, and see how that works out. Maybe we could have a spontaneous prize for a listener and that you win dinner with Scott, Trevor, and Cameron at my house We'll each in make Bangkok. a dish and they have to guess who cooked which one. Oh, that would be fun. I'm into that. Yeah, that's not a, a bad idea. Well, Cameron, thanks a, a ton. A, this is actually an interview that came about because you contacted us, and uh, we appreciate that. That was pretty neat, and it's been a long time coming to we kind of got all of us together remotely, but really appreciate you, A, uh, thinking of us, and also then being our guest today, and I wish you a ton of luck with the book. Well, thanks for having me, and I really like uh, the stories that you guys tell, 
on Travel Talk Asia. So uh, I just wanted to be part of that and be part of your storytelling. Awesome. Thank you. Scott, it was really interesting to find out uh, right off the bat that Cameron isn't actually a vegetarian, um, but that about 85% of his diet was. So it's kind of cool that he went with the vegetarian cookbook just because Vietnamese food does have so many vegetables, but here now you have the option of like adding meat, I guess, if you wanted to. Yeah, really neat indeed. I, and I guess never assume things, right? I just assumed that he had to be a vegetarian because he'd written this book. But as he said, they kind of eat vegetarian mostly for a number of reasons. But he also must have identified a niche, right? He's like, hey, there's only other one cookbook around this subject area. So he went for it. Yeah, so it is kind of neat. And you did mention during that talk there that, hey, could you add meats to these dishes? And I guess you could, right? Like, I've never thought about working backwards with a vegetarian cookbook it kind of seems a little evil in my mind but i'm a meat eater so maybe i'll have to try out his book and i could just if i want to add some chicken or some pork or stuff along the way yeah if we have him over and we actually do the 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 cooking with him i'm going to figure out which recipe is best to add bacon wrapped shrimp to <laughs> this is, this makes us sound really bad that we're unable to eat vegetarian for like one full meal or something no and i, I and love I vegetarian food you know but the big challenge kind of that we didn't touch on with him and and with thai food as well is just that there are meals that have predominantly vegetables but lots of times mm -hmm. it's like fish sauce or something very subtle right. like that 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 makes it non-vegetarian so i guess it's good to have the vegetarian recipe that you could then add some fish sauce or bacon wrap shrimp or whatever you, you want yeah i admire taking on the project because i followed my wife at one point in time and i was the you know the trailing husband and finding yeah, I mean, I don't think anyone wants my cookbook. I make a great pot kapow, but I mean, him deciding that, you know what, I, I'm, I'm a trailing spouse, I got to find something really great to do. And not only did he write a book, but he actually is getting it published. Like that's, that's no small feat. Yep. So if people want to pick up a copy of it, it'll be out soon. I, I presume you can do advance orders. Uh, he said asiabooks.com, I guess is the URL. You can always go to talktravelasia.com and check mm -hmm. out our show notes and yep. we'll put a link to Amazon or whoever you can download it uh, you know, to your own computer or order, order the book. I think you'd want a book book, you know, because if you're going to be cooking, you want to have it in the kitchen and cookbooks seem to me the kind of thing you want to have physically in your kitchen. Yeah. Book, book all the way. And on that, I'm just going to say thank you for listening. We'll be back in two weeks and I'll hand it over to you, Trevor, to take us out of this cooking episode. Thanks, Scott. And thanks everyone for listening. Thanks, Cameron, for being on the show. And uh, we look forward to having you guys back in two weeks when, uh, I don't know, we got a bunch of cool shows lined up. I don't know which one's coming up next. Uh, I guess you're going to have to come back and find out yourself. Thanks. Thanks for joining us on Talk Travel Asia. We look forward to sharing with you again soon. Hey, Scott, do you remember the time we walked on top of the wall in Angkor Thom and Cambodia?